0: Several years ago, I was talking with a pastor friend. We had been using a parenting series here at the church, and it had helped me, it had helped Marsha, and Lord willing, it's helped our kids. But we were using it, and, and, it was, and it was helping. And so I shared it with him because he was asking, is there anything that you're using that we could borrow? And I said, well, maybe this. And I, I, I uh, let him use it, and he brought it back. And he handed it. He handed the VHS to me, I'm pretty embarrassed to say. It was a long time ago. And he said, I don't think we're going to use it. I mean, just like that. It wasn't uh, hardly, hi, how are you? It was, yeah, we're not going to use it. And I said, well, why not? And he said, well, they kind of made a big deal about uh, original sin. And I said, Well, don't you believe that? And he said, Well, yes, but we don't like to make a very big deal about it. And I thought about that, and I'm just gonna be honest. Okay, my first response was yeah, I don't want to make a very big deal about it either. But then I thought about it and I thought, you know, I really do have to make a big deal about it. Because whether I like it or not, whether I want to stand in front of you and talk about original sin and all that, which I don't, the Bible makes a big deal about it. I don't really have the option to downplay what the Bible doesn't downplay. And this morning, in Romans chapter 5, we have one of the more important explanations of what it means to be human, what it means to be so infected with the sin virus that we cannot not sin. And so I want to invite you to take your Bibles and to turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 12 through 14 this morning, but I thought it would be a would give you a better picture if I read a little bit more and then focus back down on 12 through 14. So let's start reading, though, in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that, as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And here we have an explanation, not merely about how all people become sinners, but we have an explanation in this whole passage about how people become united with Christ and become righteous. And so, there are are these two parallel ideas. This morning, we're only going to really look at the first one. How people become sinners. And the the thrust of it is that we become sinners because our great-great-grandfather, Adam, sinned. That, in a nutshell, is the simplest explanation. Um. Frederick Buchner, a theologian, said this, and it's not very theological at all. He said the gospel, before it's good news, is simply the news that that's how it is. Before the gospel is good news, it's simply news that that's the way it is. And that's what we're talking about today. We're not talking necessarily about all of the the, the good news that's apparent in what we call the gospel. We're simply saying that there is news about the way that it is. And the news about the way that it is, is that sin came into the world through one man and death Through sin and death spread to all men, because all sin. That's the news about the way it is. Would I like it to be otherwise? Certainly. Would you like it to be otherwise? Absolutely. But that's not the way it is. But I'll go back to where I started because I have been tempted on more than one occasion to dress to dress it up. To make it a little more palatable, tastier, maybe put sprinkle some sugar somewhere on this, you know, teaching about sin. But it doesn't look to me like there's any sugar here. Sin came, death through sin, no sugar, right? But I want you to see, though, why he talks about original sin. And why I feel like I can't just dismiss it because I don't want to make a very big deal about it. Okay, that's really, that's how I feel, but this is why I can't do that, okay? Because the explanation about original sin starts with a connecting word, therefore. Which, which throws us back to verse 11. In other words, because verse 11, therefore verse 12. Verse 11 requires a little bit more uh, explanation. So, verse 12. Now, with that, I want you to go back and look at verse 11. Verse 11 is a summary. And it says, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received Reconciliation. Okay. When somebody says something really great like that, do you know what I want to say? Stop talking. <laughs> right? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus The The good news, or the gospel as we talk about it, that Jesus came and died for sinners so that God's wrath is satisfied and that they can be counted right before God and have good standing and peace with God and be reconciled to Him though He was angry about their sin, that's good news. And it is a cause for rejoicing. In fact, the very hope and our eternal rejoicing rests in the fact that Jesus has done this for us. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why go from verse 11 to verse 12 then? Why? I mean, really, chapter 1 talked about sin, and chapter 2 talked some about sin, chapter 3 was all about sin. Why go back yet again? Because really, you can't appreciate the good news if you don't appreciate the way that it is. That's really why. Because we all we all experience sin. We all experience the death that came through sin. We all hope that maybe tomorrow we won't do as badly as we've done before. But nonetheless, we all experience it. And it's really only when we stop and say, That's how it is. It's only then that we can say, and thanks be to God, that Jesus has fixed the way that it is. And that's why he goes from verse eleven to verse twelve to make sure that we we have this you know, black felt behind this gorgeous diamond to make sure that the diamond sparkles all the more brilliantly because we, we, we're aware that the black felt is absorbing all the rest of the light. And so this diamond of the Gospel sparkles for us more beautifully when it's set against this black backdrop. That's what the therefore is there for, I think. And so... He goes on to explain it. And he says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. Okay, he has in mind Adam. doesn't get to him uh, for a few verses, but he has in mind Adam. That uh, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit uh, that, that was prohibited, they rebelled against the command of God and opened the door for sin to enter the world. Now, he uses sin in a couple different ways here. And I want to make sure that uh, you, you recognize that. We'll start with the way he uses it here. Sin came into the world through one man. Certainly, he did a bad act. Certainly, he transgressed the command of God. Okay, those, that's, that's what we normally think of as sin. Sin is when I do a bad thing. I say something that is not true. I gossip about somebody. I have a bad thought about somebody. Whatever, you pick your favorite. Okay? We all, we all have several examples. We think of sin as the one bad thing that I do. Maybe I do it repeatedly, so it's several bad things, but it's a bad activity. Okay, here he's not talking about sin as a bad activity. He's talking about sin as uh, a power. Sin personified just as sin came into the world. You can think of it as as Adam opened the door and sin walked through it. Or if you... uh, I mean, I, I (laughs) I talked about science fiction before, but I mean, you've all seen movies, right? Where... Where there's some kind of poisonous gas. And then somebody opens the door and that poisonous gas pours through the room and, you know, you see it, you know, heading toward the, 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 the hero in the movie and what are they going to do? That's, that's what happened. Adam opened the door and sin walked through. And sin is, when, it, when it's talking about sin in that way, it's talking about sin as a power that makes us uh, do those singular bad things it 's sin as a power that makes us act out in sinful ways. so he 's using it in those two ways, and, and here he 's talking about it as a power that Adam uh, opened it, opened the door so that sin might then come into the world and oppress all of us and he 's talking about it as though as though this sin is passed down from parents to children in a genetic way as part of their birthright of being human okay and i'm i could use the word sin nature but for me i that gets confusing whether it's you know uh human nature sin nature all those things get confusing for me but the the simple fact is the human condition is one where I end up sinning. And I cannot do otherwise because it's natural. You see, that's, that's what Adam has done for us. He, is, he has made it so that the natural human experience is to rebel against God and therefore to sin. Because he has unleashed this anti-God power all over the human race as our Father. And so, sin came into the world through that one man. And it trickles down to the rest of us. And it has different flavors and different cultures, and different flavors and different families, and different flavors and different personalities, but, but like it or not, it is part of the human condition. And then, it gets worse. Because it isn't just that we inherited this tendency or are subjected to this power called sin. Rather, beyond that, sin brought with it death. And so, this ultimate um, demise... Of the human race is attributable to our uh, rebellion against God. Every person's physical, emotional, spiritual um, death goes back to when Adam opened the door to sin, because sin, because death travels with sin death you, you, or sin, you might say, is the is running interference for death. And so death on that vapor that goes throughout the room poisons and kills everyone. And you think about it, I mean, the two are not, the two are, are not, uh, it's no surprise they're inseparable. I mean, think about Your sin. I mean, think about how you feel when, you know, when you say something is not true. I mean, it's, it promised to feel a little better. Like, it's going to get me out of trouble. But then you've got this secondary problem. Now I've got a lie out there I have to manage. And it feels terrible. Or you have some, you know, Financial indiscretion. Maybe you've taken something that's not yours. Maybe you've uh, uh, you know fudged some numbers, and it looks like it's going to help, feels like it's going to help, but it doesn't. And you feel like part of you is dying. You sin against somebody else. Maybe you. Uh, gossip or maybe they gossip about you and whether you're on the giving or receiving end, it doesn't feel very good. It feels like a little part of you is well, dying. Because sin and death go together. So much so that at the end of chapter 6, here it says the wages of sin is death. In other words, the what you get paid for sinning is death. It follows just like that. It's automatic, it's obligatory. Once you sin, death follows. And then death um, creeps in to everyone. You think about this. I mean, so much of our lives, really all of our lives, are affected by this. I mean, one of the reasons that we don't want to concentrate power in the hands of a few in our governmental system is because we're afraid of sin, that power will corrupt. in that that corruption then will bleed over. And whether it's our government or whether it's our um, education system or whether it's the lock on your front door, I mean, all of our lives are colored by this sin and this death. And the reality is that that is so much the human condition that we cannot not sin. That's essentially what he says in this final part. Sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, so sin spread to all men because all sinned. Now, some would Look back and say, because our great great grandfather sinned, all of us sinned in him. That's, there was something about his sin that represented me. And I think that there is something to that. I don't understand it. But I, that is sort of the way they're talking about it. He opened the door, sin comes in as a power, makes me sit, makes me do acts of sin. And I think that likely is what this is talking about. So that there is this power of sin, but there is also the fact that all, you and me, have sinned ourselves, done those things we ought not do. One of the things that, one of the ways that we say this, or ways we affirm this, is we are sinners by nature and practice that it is natural for us to sin, but it isn't just a theory out there that applies to all those other folks. (laughs) I do it too. I practice sin. And I think that this is more the practice because of the way that he goes on in verses 13 and 14 to explain certain acts of sin. And these acts of sin happen as a result of being connected with Adam. And so he says, "For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law." And so Adam had this clear word from God. Don't eat from the tree Adam ate from the tree. He violated the direct command of God. And we're going, to, that, we're going to get talking about that when we get to the law. But when there was no law, okay, the, the next few generations, the next few generations didn't get that same clear word. And so, the, what did the next generations do? They sinned anyway. The power was there, but so were the individual acts of sin. Now, just as as we're developing this idea, I want I want to say something else. This isn't this isn't a balancing thing, so don't don't think that I'm like, you know, pussyfooting around this, or 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 I'm taking it easy. But we do affirm. That sin is, a, is such a power in the human race that it is natural for us to sin and we cannot do otherwise. Okay? We are sinners by nature and choice. We affirm that. But even prior to that, we would affirm that human beings are created in the image of God. And as the image of God have value and importance and significance because they're made in the image of God. And The, the Bible is clear. In Genesis chapter 1, Uh, God said, let us make man in our image, and in His image He created them, male and female, He created them. We're made with God's image, and therefore, uh, it trickles down to us as well. That we have the image of God. Every man, woman, boy, and girl possesses in some respect this image of God that gives value to your life. And just like that image of God is passed down from parents to children, from Adam to us, and the Bible indicates that it is. So in the same way, on the same, uh, really with the same mechanism you might say, sin is passed down from Adam to us. And so we have in our present existence, two competing things. We have this image of God that is precious and gives value and significance, and we have sin which commands us to rebel against God in whose image we're created. We have this inherent worth because a human being is made in the image of god and we have this natural poison because we also have inherited sin and so we stand with in in some respect with this Tension, and we don't simply want to say, oh everyone's terrible, but we can't just say, oh everyone's just fine either. The image of God has been marred and scarred and broken, though it's still there, by the subsequent act and power of sin. And I think that's important because the longing that we all have for it to be better than it is is part of what it means, I think, to be made in God's image. Because to be made in God's image is to be reminded that God created human beings for a relationship with Him. God created us for everything to be perfect, for us to find our joy and satisfaction when we interact face to face with the living God. And so He made human beings in His image to do that very thing. And they were to pass that on as a characteristic of being human to their children. And at the same time then, they decided to rebel against the very clear command of God and eat eat the fruit and the fruit Um, when they ate it, they, they sinned and the sin infected all of their children as well. And so we have both this longing for more and this irresistible compulsion to sin apart from grace. I mean, it is it is the way that it is to be human. To have both the higher hope And the lower nature. And that is not with respect to the law or command of God or any religion. That is just the way it is. And you look at any culture and they have every, they they all have different manifestations of the prevailing notion that they're sinful, but they, but it's there nonetheless. Sin indeed was in the world. Before the law was given, it's part of what it means to be human along with the image of God. But sin is not counted where there is no law. This doesn't mean that all those folks from uh, really from Cain until uh, Moses, you know, didn't have sin count. Okay? It just wasn't tallied or recorded the same way because it wasn't this direct disobedience to the command of God. That's what we see in the next chapter or in the next chapter. Um, Verse, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. So, he's got this Adam to Moses period, the human nature period, you might say. Between Adam who had the direct command that he violated to Moses who, who brought down from Mount Sinai the direct commands which all of us struggle with. But even in that period, we're not really talking about religion here. We're talking about what it means to relate to a holy God And all of us have a problem with that because we're human. And that's why death reigned. That's why this reign of death is so pervasive. And I just just think of all of the things that have been in the news recently that... uh, I mean, natural disasters aside, okay, that's, that's coming in chapter 8. Okay. But just all the human disasters. All the people killing people. People sexually abusing other people. People doing both of those for entertainment's sake. I mean, death reigns. I mean, apart from Christ, without an experience of grace, we should expect, see, we expect better because we have image of God, but we should expect that people will act in a sinful way. Because sin and death are reigning. And when they do, there are bad results. And some of those bad results make news. And Some of them... Remind us that death is reigning. Yes, it's in the news, but it's also in my own personal life, right? I mean, death reigns in, in my heart. Death reigns in my relationships. Unchecked by grace, which is next week. Sorry, I can't get there this week. But unless God does something to me, there will just be this infection of death. I mean, it is. You think of sin nature as though it's this infection. And I will develop a fever. And it will ultimately claim my life. Because it will ultimately pervade my entire being. And you see now, I mean, I can't even talk about it, right? Without being just so icky and so bad that it makes us say, surely that's not all there is. Surely there's something that offers us relief from this. And I want to say, that those of us who are trying to find relief by improving our behavior are asking to experience more of this reigning of death. See, most of us resolve to do better. Most of us will, will uh, try... And, you know, maybe we go to meetings, maybe we listen to podcasts, maybe we try motivational speakers, whatever it may be. We're trying to somehow pull out of this death spiral that sin has brought us into. And there might be just a little uptick in your plane in that death spiral, but you don't pull out. Only what is coming can pull you out. Only trusting someone else outside of your little plane can pull you out. Death reigned from Adam and Moses. Even over those who sinned in a different way. We're ultimately creative, and I've already said this in ways we sin, and all of us, when we think sin, we'll think of something different. A few of us might have some favorites. uh, We're going to have a little club. But for the most part, we all think of different ways to sin. And we have our different favorites. And it doesn't matter whether we do it like Moses or Adam or anybody else. Because death is still reigning because we're still sinning. But death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Who was a type of the one who was to come? Now here, dangling at the end of verse 14 is the hope, right? It's just as though it's swinging there somehow. Inviting us to say, what are you even talking about? When you're talking about the type of one who was to come. What it's suggesting is Adam is a pattern. Adam... Uh, is in many regards parallel to someone who was at the time of Adam and Moses still to come. In other words, there was someone coming who would be like Adam and he would be the one to deliver you from that death. And he would be the one to deliver you from that power of sin. And Romans chapter 6 suggests that he is also the one to deliver you from the tyranny of the sin. In its individual acts, even. Because there's one to come. And Adam is like him. And this is. This is what's so amazing. I'm going to do my best here uh, to give you a little bit of a little bigger picture of your salvation here. Because if Adam is over here and he opened the door and sin came and filtered through the entire human race so that all of us are under its power because there was one person, Adam, who led us in that direction. Then, he suggests, that's a little bit like the one who was to come. There's someone who is to come over here who will in some way, okay. I'm going to try not to steal what's next week, who will in some way lead us in a way that frees us from that tyranny. Who will lead us in a way that reverses the cause of death. So that as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, so there is a free gift here that comes through the righteous act of the one man, Jesus. And when it comes, it pervades to all who have entered into His leadership. And those who, who enter into His leadership then are now in this new uh, family, in this new humanity, in this new world where Jesus reigns instead of death where grace is the way that things function instead of sin. And it's almost as though gravity is completely reversed. Where sin takes you down, over here where Jesus is the head, you have grace and this free gift that bring you up to God. And the key question then, is, I mean, this is the structure of your salvation. Most of us think that it's just Jesus and me, and we're pals. And all that Jesus did on the cross was for me, so that I have this really great experience in heaven. What Jesus did on the cross, really, is like what Adam did when he sinned, and Adam sinned. He opened this whole experience for humanity that is bad where death reigns and sin uh, it conquers, and it wasn't just for one person. This was all of humanity. Where Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross, and we've seen this over and over in Romans three, and Romans four, and Romans five, where Jesus, uh, where God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, where He demonstrated His love for us in this, while Christ died for us, um, while we were still sinners. So while we were still over here, Christ died so that He might not just make one person's experience better, but He might open this whole new existence for humanity free from death and free from judgment where we are reconciled to God and have peace with Him. And we enter from this sphere to this sphere, from this mode of existence to this one, from the old humanity in Adam to the new person in Christ by faith. It says this over and over in Romans. It doesn't say it in our text. so I'm stealing from other texts, but it's a good stealing and I don't feel sinful for it. But the gateway between the one and the other is the person of Jesus. Romans 5.1 tells us we have been justified um, by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is as though we go from this one to this other, from Adam into this um, life with God in Jesus through faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, ultimately, our hope, rests not in being over here in Adam trying to do a little better, trying to fight our sinful nature, trying to solve our problems and not experience failure after failure until we've experienced death. Our hope is in the One who was to come. So that Jesus, in the words that are used in the rest of Romans 5, this, free gift, this grace, all of that we find over here. That's where we are held up and saved. Have peace with God and are reconciled. And so ultimately, this message is not a do better, try harder message. This this message is simply an invitation for you to give up on this. To say, I can't reform myself. The message of today is taxes you cannot reform this. You must instead be rescued from it by Jesus so that you have this new existence in Christ. And so my invitation is, won't you please trust Christ? Won't you just wave the white flag and say, "You know what? I can't make it work over here." I must trust in Jesus and raise his flag and trust in him to be the standard bearer the leader of your life and when he is that's where peace that's when peace comes that's when freedom comes and ultimately that's where life is and so when we we say we're Talking about Romans where we're fully alive. We are fully alive in Christ. Where we say we're a New Life Church and our, our mission is to engage people who are disconnected from God so they delight in Him through Jesus, we're saying we go back to verse 11 and we talk about what's bad about people so that we rejoice in being reconciled to God and free from the tyranny of sin and death. Let's pray.